Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's episode is one that I am really excited to bring you because using ozone medically is what reversed the toxic mold poisoning that I had going back more than 15 years. And I did it at home and I've shown hundreds of people how to do it. I'm one of the, the voices talking about how this is a broad spectrum uh, way of, of treating almost anything that's infectious. And it's something that's been used since World War I, uh, even before we had antibiotics. And I wanted you guys to know about this because if I get a cold, now a third of colds are caused by the coronavirus family, maybe 20% of them, um, or if I get any other infectious bacterial thing, I use ozone before I would touch antibiotics because I know what happens after 15 years of taking antibiotics every single month for sinus infections. Uh, this is something that is missing from our, our conversation about how to stay healthy, especially when things are not healthy out there. So I have one of the world's top experts coming back on the show, a guy who actually treated Ebola with ozone therapy. Uh, and before we get into the episode with Dr. Robert Rowan, uh, I want you guys to know a lot of times uh, any conversation about ozone is getting uh, taken down or censored right now for reasons that are that are beyond me. Uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty horrifying. So far, podcasts have been relatively safe for that. Uh, but really, you should probably save this podcast because I'm really hoping that it stays online for you. With no further ado, Dr. Rowan, welcome back to the show. It is an honor. To be back. Thank you, Dave. Well, you've got 30 years of experience as a doctor. And as people on the show know, I believe in learning from my elders and people who have more experience than me. And given that I'm not even a doctor at all, and I don't claim to be, uh, I feel like I have decades of learning to have from you. And I've already learned a lot because you're one of the people who travels internationally and teaches oxidative medicine, of which ozone therapy is one part of that. And maybe 50% of the show ago, it was episode 352, you were on talking about Ebola. But what I want you to do now to share with uh, people listening is just what is oxidative medicine? Why does it matter? Oxidative medicine goes back more than 100 years, as you said. <clears throat> Nikola Tesla patented the first American ozone generator, although it was in Europe beforehand. Um, <clears throat> you, you know about hydrogen peroxide, everybody does. And then there's ozone, there's ultraviolet, and there's intravenous vitamin C. These all belong to a family of therapies commonly referred to as oxidative medicine. And it is a really natural therapy. Most people don't realize that. Our immune cells, white blood cells, go after infection by making oxidants and tossing them at the invader. Now, if it, this didn't work, we wouldn't be here. And the invaders have never been able to get away from this. These molecules are called germicides. They're actually germicides, antiseptics. Our cells make bleach. They, they do indeed. Hydrogen peroxide. They make ozone. They make other oxidants. All of these are oxidants. What is an oxidant? An oxidant is something that takes an electron, 
grabs an electron, in contrast to reduction, which donates an electron. And oxygen, oxygen is an oxidant. It takes electrons, grabs them. So our bodies make these molecules in defense, throws them to bacteria, and it can destroy them on contact. An oxidant, a strong oxidant can punch a hole in the wall of a bacteria. And in the case of viruses, this is what got me so interested in Ebola. When the Ebola epidemic was coming around, I mean, having had 34 years now experience in ozone, at that time it was about 30, 29 years with ozone. I said, this should be an ideal treatment for Ebola. And I decided that I wanted to go and treat it. And we were able to get a personal invitation from the president of Sierra Leone. And I recruited Howard Robbins to come with me because he pioneered the direct intravenous gas method. And at first he said, you're out of your mind, Rowan. I'm not going. I'm not going to die there. I said, fine, I'll go. I'll take ozone. I'll do your method. And he said, no, wait a minute. You're not getting all the credit for this. And he he changed his mind. <laughs> but I mean, so it, he, it takes a little a little bit of faith in your methods to say, I'm going to go into an Ebola hot zone uh, and I'm going to know that ozone is going to protect me. How did you know it was actually going to do that? Ebola, I, I, I did know intuitively, or at least I believed intuitively, but I also read the biochemistry. And Ebola, like many viruses, requires an amino acid on its surface called cysteine, C-Y-S-T-E-I-N-E. Cysteine is a sulfur-bearing amino acid, and the research said on Ebola and on CMV that the cysteine has to be reduced to be active. If it's oxidized, it's inactive. Research had been done on cytomegalovirus where they oxidized it and it lost infectivity. And when they chemically re-reduced it, chemically added the electron back, it regained two thirds of its infectivity. So you can use an extra free electron as an on-off switch for infectious viruses. It's an on-off switch, exactly. Now, I the, the cysteine amino acid bears a sulfhydryl group, which I say, my analogy, it's like the fingers on your hand. Here are the fingers on my hand, on the cysteine, and it can open the cookie jar, plop in, get into your cell, destroy the cell, and replicate. Ozone <clears throat> chops off the fingers by oxidizing it. Now, how does my hand open the cookie jar? It doesn't. It can't. So ozone, <clears throat> by oxidizing, the, the I mean, God was brilliant. <laughs> I don't know. You, it's just a cliche in designing the body to make oxidants to take care of pathogens. That's nature has done this for us. So our body hurls an oxidant at the pathogen, it oxidizes it, fingers get chopped off and it can't get in the cell. That's how nature has done it. The, these pathogens seem to be redox sensitive. 
oxidation reduction sensitive. This makes sense because you know that acid-base chemistry governs the activity of enzymes. In fact, you can change colors of solutions by just slight variances in the pH, acid-base. <clears throat> enzymes are critically sensitive to pH. The, uh, the acid base of the body, the venous pH is 7.4. Slight alterations can make you sick and, and damage your body. Redox is very critical too, and the medicine, medical world has ignored this. So it appears that oxidizing the blood creates an environment that's hostile for the viruses and bacteria and gives you an edge. But that's not the only thing. Ozone, what is the most important thing in healing? It is oxygen. It is getting oxygen to the cells. Bottom line in everything. No oxygen, no ATP, no energy. Cell can't repair. You can't amount, amount to resistance. <clears throat> when you're facing an infection, the white blood cells consume 50 plus times the amount of oxygen acutely than they do at rest. And if they don't have that oxygen, they can't perform for you. So what does ozone do? Ozone is oxygen. It's O3. The oxygen you're breathing right now is O2. O2 is not that active oxygen. It needs a spark. In other words, you can mix gasoline with oxygen but without a source of ignition, nothing happens. You need a spark plug in your, in your cylinder. Ozone carries that spark. The extra electron because O3 instead of O2. Right. It's already activated. This oxygen is activated and will instantly oxidize, instantly. Whereas the O2 that's here right now isn't burning up my shirt. Okay? It needs a source of ignition. Ozone has that source of ignition. So ozone has several effects. It has, um, first it increases 2,3-DGP in red blood cells. Red blood cells are the trains carrying oxygen. Oxygen is the cargo. If the train doesn't make a stop at the station and doesn't unload its cargo, it doesn't do any good. 2,3-DGP enables the red cell to dump its oxygen at higher pressure in your tissues to get better oxygen diffusion to your cells. Ozone does that. Ozone also improves red cell membrane flexibility, which is important. Red cells tend to get stiff with age, and your capillary is smaller than your red cell. So the red cell has to fold like this to get into the capillary. And ozone helps rheology, blood rheology. Ozone improves the negative charge on the red cells so that they repel each other. They don't stick together. Ozone increases nitric oxide. Men know what nitric oxide is about. It's a vasodilator, helps with erectile dysfunction. But nitric oxide is important in the capillaries themselves for vasodilation. Ozone increases prostacyclin, the most important vascular lubricator. Ozone seems to also increase the AV arterial venous O2 difference. More arterial oxygen, less venous oxygen. This spread 
in here is the amount of oxygen your mitochondria are consuming. More spread, more consumption. And that's what Schallenberger talks about with ozone therapy. He says, look, it makes mitochondria work better. They, and that's because, well, when they're working better, will they suck more oxygen? Well, they do because they're burning more of it because they're making more energy. Yeah. And in the context of coronavirus, um, I've uh, I've dug very deep on what's going on. I've I've been in discussion groups with uh, uh, elite level people working on solving the problem who aren't all public about what's going on. I think there's overwhelming evidence that it is damaging hemoglobin, um, and it, I say it's overwhelming because there's three different um, proof points that different groups have come up with that all arrive at the same conclusion. And so, if you're in an environment where you have less capacity to carry oxygen, how important would ozone therapy be in that environment, uh, where where literally people are getting little red spots on their toes because there's no oxygen there, and they're getting brain damage because there's no oxygen there, and cardiac damage because there's no oxygen there, and the mitochondria are freaking out and causing inflammation? What does ozone do? Is it because it's killing viruses? Is it because it's fixing blood flow? Is it because it's adding oxygen? Or because it's adding electrons? What is it? Let's continue with the Ebola story, and it, it, it'll fill in the gaps. So as I said, Ebola has cysteine on it. Coronavirus is rich in cysteine, rich. Articles are on this. The scientists are missing connecting the dots. It took a, a clinician, an ozone clinician, to see this. Coronavirus is rich in cysteine, and the research says it has to be active cysteine. If it's not there, coronavirus isn't going to work. Same with Ebola. So it's antiviral. We're going to get to some more mechanisms there in a moment. What else does it do? Ozone modulates inflammation. If your immune system is like this, it brings it, like the, it, brings it into balance. If it's like this, it brings it into balance. These viruses are increasing interleukin-6 and other inflammatory enzymes like TNF-alpha, tumor necrosis factor alpha. These are powerful cytokines, molecules that promote inflammation. Where there's inflammation, there's swelling. Where there's swelling, there's edema. Where there's edema, there's less oxygen because there's much more for the oxygen, much more length for the oxygen to diffuse. And the tissues are starving of oxygen with this inflammation. Ozone modulates those cytokines and reduces inflammation. Sylvia Menendez of Cuba, her team showed that ozone works as well as dexamethasone, one of the most important synthetic steroids, one of the most powerful synthetic steroids. Ozone works as well. So ozone is reducing inflammation, <clears throat> modulating inflammation, delivering more oxygen, <clears throat> improving mitochondrial oxygen consumption, and ozone itself is toxic, kills microorganisms. Now, I have to explain that a little bit further. When you give ozone, ozone is so reactive, it instantly reacts with your blood or whatever it touches. Ozone isn't going to make it necessarily to all the way to your lungs or wherever it is, but it creates reactive oxygen species called ozonides. And these still are oxidants, still weaker than ozone, but they're oxidants, and they're going to be more electron-seeking than the sulfur 
on cysteine. So it still will have the capacity, in my opinion, to oxidize those residues and inactivate the virus. So ozone enters the blood. In this case, we're doing blood ozonation. And there's other ways people can do ozone at home. Yes. Um, the way I do it. But you go to an ozone therapist. Um, they introduce it uh, intravenously. The ozone almost instantly when it hits the blood converts from ozone into O2 and then some free radicals, but it makes ozonites with the free radicals. And then those go through and those are the antiviral particles. Yes. But let's, let's eliminate the term free radicals because it doesn't appear that free radical mechanism is how this is working. Free, free radical by definition means a molecule with an unpaired electron. And so these are specific free radicals that are actually signaling molecules. These are signaling molecules, but they're not, they're not necessarily free radicals. Nitric oxide is a free radical. So yes, there is one, but the ozonides, they might be peroxide, which is not a free radical. Okay, got it. Um, it might uh, it might be cyclic oxygen species. They don't have to be free radicals, but they're ozonides. They're uh, oxygen-rich molecules that are highly reactive, and they are cell signaling molecules, helping the cells talk to each other, activating them. If you had coronavirus and actually got the symptoms of it, which if you regularly use ozone, you probably wouldn't even get the symptoms, I don't think. Uh, but uh, let's say you did get the symptoms of it. Would you do ozone therapy? Instantly. Okay. How would you do it on yourself? I Well, I, you know, unknown what might come in my office, I'm doing prophylactic ozone. So I do, I drink ozone water every day. I have a stethoscope. I give ozone in my ears by insufflation. And yes, I do believe it works. I'm doing it almost every day. And there's reasons why I believe it works. I take blood ozone. I take high-dose blood ozone every one to two weeks. And, and I take rectal ozone as well. And when I'm sick, I double down. And then I'll take high-dose blood ozone. And generally, the, if, if I do get sick, it's gone in a day. So I'm doing this on myself on a regular basis. If somebody comes in sick to the office, we double down and do high-dose intravenous ozone. And I am encouraging my patients and the public to do home ozone. And I have a wealth of information on my website, drowendrsu.com. That's my wife's name. So drowen.com or drowendrsu.com? Dr. Rowan, Dr. Sue, D-R-Rowan, D-R-S-U.com. And we have a wealth of information there on ozone, <clears throat> home ozone. And we also direct people to let you know that we're trying to do our civic duty. We no longer teach home ozone in our office. It was expensive nurses' time, and the patients had to pay a lot of money for the nurses' time. My wife and I made a one-hour video on how to do it, and we donated it to ozonewithoutborders.ngo, nonprofit, Nancy George Oscar. We donated that video to the nonprofit, and they now are making it available to the public for a $20 donation. Beautiful. Uh, and guys, uh, this is nothing that Dr. Rowan's going to get paid for. Uh, there are a bunch of different guides you'll find online uh, for how to do uh, home ozone therapy. 
I would I would recommend Dr. Rowan's video because it is entirely possible to do something that is unsafe. For instance, if you breathe ozone, it's really bad for your lungs and you will cough like you've never coughed. And if you were locked in a room with it, you could actually kill yourself. Although you would probably run out of the room because it's really unpleasant first. Um, but uh, so so it is not for the lungs, but if you put it in your butt, uh, if, you, if you're on my Instagram page, you probably saw my video where I actually was like, hey, here's how I do it. Uh, I think I hashtagged it reverse fart. Yes, you put a little bit of ozonated air into your butt. <laughs> um, the way that you would do it medically is with uh, an IV, which is what we're, we're talking about. Um, but then the other two things that you mentioned there that every or three things that everyone can do if you have an ozone machine is you can uh, you can go out there and make ozoned water. We just bubble it through some water and then you drink the water. It smells like ozone. Just don't breathe in while you're drinking it and it systemically absorbs. Uh, and blowing it in through your ears with a little stethoscope uh, when you have a cold uh, or congestion, it is pretty incredible what that does. Uh, and the systemic effects of uh, doing it rectally are also uh, very noticeable. Uh, when I first did this, I was trained by actually a dentist who had done ozone for many years, uh, who was in his 80s uh, and had 20 years of clinical experience. So uh, I felt safe doing it. And I will tell you, it fixed my brain. I would not be recording this podcast right now had I not figured this out 20 years ago and said, wow, I, I'm turning my, my circulation back on. I'm getting rid of a bunch of infectious you know, lime and mold and God knows what else. So I, I'm not saying this lightly. And I have Dr. Rowan on to talk with you about this because he's got the science. Um, and it is, it is critically important that you think about this and you say, wait a minute, I could go and I could go get some antibiotics or I could go to try whatever drug for whatever, whenever you get sick, whether it's now or some other time. Um, or you could think about it and say, you know what, I have this machine uh, and it's, or maybe I have access to a friend's machine, whatever, and I filled this little bag with some gas and I put it in a place that wasn't that exciting to put it and magically I got better. It's pretty much like that. Am I overstating my case? Slightly. Ah. Very slightly. Very what did I miss? You might have to do it twice. Well, for, no. First of all, rectal ozone works. The Cubans did most of their work with rectal ozone. It works. But rectal ozone doesn't seem to work as fast as blood ozone. Agreed. Blood ozone that's is best. All. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah. You got it. You nailed it. Blood ozone is faster. Uh, and I've, uh, I think I've done a video with, uh, with Dr. Matt Cook uh, doing ozone dialysis where I pull all my blood out, filter it, and put ozone back in. Uh, and uh, same thing with uh, Dr. Harry Adelson. Uh, when they do the bone marrow uh, stem cells, they're actually using ozone on the stem cells before they put them back in to give them that extra energy to do their work. Uh, the, the thing is, it sounds crazy because it's like uh, a pollutant is what people think of, but it is a, a signaling molecule. It's it's just critically important. And you did have success with Ebola. You were talking about how you and your friend decided to go down there. And tell me what happened when you treated someone at active Ebola with ozone therapy. How did you do it and what happened? Five of five cases. Now, I will tell you what happened. We met with the president of Sierra Leone twice. We had been invited by him. And we had to go through certain ministers and the Ebola czar. And when we finally got to their Ebola czar, who was a military man, he said, well, what are you waiting for? Get out there. So we went out to um, 
the Ebola treatment center, Dr. Robbins had already left by this time. I was, I remained, he had to go back. And we had already trained a lot of doctors uh, in Freetown. And then I was taken out to the Ebola containment unit and there were a lot of health professionals there, nurses and doctors. And then it was up to me to train them how to do this very simple DIV method, direct intravenous gas. Now, there's controversy in the ozone world about this method, but it's dirt cheap. It costs less than a dollar per treatment because all you need is a syringe and a butterfly needle. For Sierra Leone and even, and by the way, I think it's got advantages for coronavirus, which if we have time, we'll talk. I prefer, I actually like that method. So we're treating people and a call comes in from the assistant minister of health to the military in charge of the center. If you value your job, there will be no ozone at the center. That was conveyed to me immediately and I felt like I was kicked in the gonads. And who, who sent that to you? That was the president? That was the, the assistant minister of health. And no, no explanation of why, even though you successfully treated five people and cured them. No, 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 no. We hadn't treated them yet. We're training. We're training. We're training. Ten minutes later, the minister of health calls and says the same thing. So the... Commander comes to me and says, we've got to shut this down. And I'd like I said, I literally felt all like I was kicked in the gonads. I said, this is and I lost it. I'm a pretty cool headed guy. I lost it. I said, this is a crime against humanity. People here in this room are going to die. And no one disagreed. And one doctor did die because weeks later he got um, Ebola and he was denied treatment when his test turned positive. With ozone, he was denied treatment. Yeah, he was thrown in the in, in the quarantine unit and he wanted ozone and they wouldn't let him have it and he died a horrible death. So let me tell you what happened. And I think we discussed this the last time I was on your show. The One of the guys I was training, and I have a photograph of him, three weeks later pricked himself with a contaminated needle. Within 48 or 72 hours, he was getting symptoms. He knew if he had tested himself and it was positive, he would be thrown in the tank and denied treatment. So he asked us what to do. He got treated immediately and recovered immediately. It's, I mean, Ebola typically goes like this. And as soon as you start getting symptoms, boom, boom, it, you liquefy. He didn't liquefy. As soon as he started getting symptoms, he started getting treatment. He did just fine. And then we were able to get to four other people, um, three of whom had tested positive. And the last one was the female consort of the chief doctor in Sierra Leone who just died of Ebola. She begged him to get ozone. And he refused wanting ZMAP, monoclonal antibody, which is what the pundits are pushing for coronavirus. So while it's thawing out overnight, he dies. She's placed under armed military guard at her home, can't get out. No one can get in or out. She climbs over a razor wire fence um, and cuts herself to get to our group. She gets treated and she does well. When I wrote the article, I did not know at the time, she didn't tell anybody that she was symptomatic because if she had told someone, she'd have been thrown in the tank and denied treatment. She was already symptomatic with Ebola. She got treatment 
and did just fine. And I finally, more than after we published the article in the African Journal of Infectious Diseases, I got a photograph of a handwritten scrawled letter from her thanking God for, for ozone and saving her life. It's pretty dramatic in that you can feel it when you're really sick and you get ozone therapy. It, it's like a light switch going on. At least it has been for me. But you've, uh, so that was a few years ago with, with Ebola, but you just had something published in December of 2019 uh, in medial gas research. And, and you said, uh, you know, we medical have- Medical gas research. Say that again? Medical gas research. Sorry, I said medial and medical gas research. Uh, and, and you said- we have no reliably effective treatment for aggressive viral diseases like Ebola or viral pneumonia. And you know, that would be a code name for uh, a certain kind of virus named after a beer. And uh, you went in this article in, in a lot of detail, in medical detail, about how ozone therapy works. Uh, and, and you said that the, the main uh, risk of this from all reports is 0.7 complications per 100,000 treatments. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that seems a little bit lower than Tylenol, isn't it? Much, much lower than Tylenol, much lower. And it appears to be the safest medical treatment that's ever been known. Um, but that seems a little bit debatable. I mean, you, you could you could say that there's Band-Aids that are probably also pretty safe. You know? I'm talking about something that's actually administered internally to the body. All that's right, they, there fair. we go. All right. Uh, so, but it's, it's along the lines of safety of like baking soda as an antacid sort of thing, where it's pretty, uh, it's pretty innocuous. Uh, intravenously, you can do things like embolism. If people inject a lot of air into the blood, uh, there this are is issues. why we don't want, we do not want people to be doing medical treatments. A parenteral, meaning a needle is a medical treatment. And, and I really decry that because you can, you can get hurt. You can indeed. Please don't do it. Uh, that said, I may or may not have a backup glass syringe at my house alongside my ozone generator and my backup ozone generator. And yes, I actually do have those uh, and my two bottles of oxygen um, in case one of them gets left on or is empty <laughs> because that's enough to treat my family and frankly, enough of our friends as well for any sort of bad thing that could happen. Uh, and I don't care if it's a parasite, a bacteria that's aggressive, or a virus that's aggressive. Um, this is a the most broad spectrum thing that I have. So I'm not a prepper, but I live on a farm in a rural area, which means you tend to have tools and things like that. And we've used ozone on our animals. Uh, and yes, I, I am a farmer and rancher. Um, I've used ozone on myself. I've used it on my kids to avoid them taking antibiotics so they have intact uh, gut bacteria still um, both of them have had times where there was very serious skin infections, you know, with red lines spreading that sort of go to the hospital, get IVs. Pfft, no. Two half hour uh, sessions sitting, watching Netflix, which they usually don't get to do, while cupping. In other words, I pumped ozone gas into a silicon cup over the infected thing. One of them was near, the other one was on his leg. And you know what? The swelling went away, the color went away, and it healed just fine. Uh, I've also had multiple skin infections. Uh, uh, same thing, you know, you cut yourself, you scratch yourself, and you can tell when it's bad. You don't need Neosporin anymore. You just do this, exactly, and it goes away. So I just I want people listening to understand this isn't just for coronavirus, but I am not that worried about it because I know that I have access to this, and I feel like this is one of those 
things like uh, we dream of a world where we can all grow our own food and we can all have distributed power generation, right? And we're a little bit more self-sufficient. Ozone at home is one of the most cost-effective, most broad-spectrum, most useful things you can do. Oh, is there a problem with your water supply? Oh, yeah, you can clean your water with ozone. Um, it, it, it's it's like a Swiss Army knife of a thing. So I, I'm an just completely happy fan of it. Um, there's several companies that make uh, ozone equipment out there. Um, and I don't I don't know if we want to go into you know promoting one company versus another. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah, um, I, I, our, I don't either. Just say yeah, there's, our there's a lot out there. website has information on this. And there's there's others. Uh, I'll mention I'll mention three companies. That's all. Just mention. There's Longevity Resources in Canada. There's Promo Life in the United States, and there's Simply O3. Yep, those are the three that I'm familiar with. Uh, they're all good as far as I know, uh, and I have gear from two of the three, and some the other ones sending me some. I have no promotional agreement with any of them uh, right now, and uh, that's not the intent here. Uh, the intent here is you guys should have ozone therapy. Um, talk to me about medical gas. One of the the things that surprised me 20 years ago, I went onto Craigslist and I bought an oxygen cylinder uh, from the estate of someone who had emphysema. And I spent, you know, 20 or 30 bucks. And then I went to get it refilled. And oh my God, it was like, I want, I was like, I was a terrorist. I, I went into the pharmacy. What do you want oxygen for? Like medical ozone. And so there's no such thing. Go to a different <laughs> pharmacy. So I, I finally, you know, asked a doctor and the doctor said, Oh no, I, I can't write a script for that. And, and I'm like, what, what is going on here? It, it's just oxygen and I can buy welding oxygen. So I went to the, the place, uh, this must've been somewhere in California and said, where do you fill up your medical uh, tanks? And they said, right there. Where do you fill up the welding tanks right there? It's the same oxygen. It's the same oxygen. That's correct. Uh, so now you can buy welding oxygen and you get a little regulator that lets it work like medical oxygen for this. And that is what I do. Why is there such a control system placed on just stupid oxygen? Why do we have the uh, pharma paradigm method that we have right now? Oxygen is a prescription. The problem is oxygen is a prescription. Medical oxygen is a prescription. Yet welding oxygen is not. It's the same source. I I have to use medical oxygen. Well, because you're a licensed physician. I have to use it, and I will. Industrial tanks are not as cared for as medical tanks, number one. Number two, when they fill an industrial tank, they don't wash it out with oxygen. So if the industrial tank goes empty, now it's got room air in it, and then they put oxygen in with that dead space room air. Ah, if it was empty. Got it. Yep. All right. A medical tank, they put oxygen in, and they wash it out with oxygen to make sure there's no dead they, air in it. They basically there. flush it really quick. Okay. Exactly. So there are differences. But for doing water, for doing rectal, uh, for doing ear, etc., I just can't see... I professionally and morally, I can't see any issue with this. The issue is legal. And I, my patients can get a prescription from me for oxygen for home use because it's an appropriate part of their treatment. And if they ask for it, they get it. Medical oxygen costs more than welder's oxygen, but not that much more. Uh, what I did way, uh, this is way back in the day, is I also went on to Craigslist and I bought an oxygen concentrator. 
And these make about 95% pure oxygen that you can feed into an ozone machine, which is absolutely not recommended for any blood-related things. And <clears throat> and it's less ideal for rectal because that 5% that's not oxygen is uh, <clears throat> nitrogen mostly, which can make some nitric oxide. Um, and it is, it is what I used uh, when I was recovering because this is what I could get without a prescription. Now, how risky is it to use an oxygen concentrator? These things run $500 to $1,000, and they'll make all the oxygen you want. If you were making ozone water, I don't think it's that risky. And yes, you will get some nitrogen oxides, but you know, if you get them in water, I'm not that concerned about it because we do get nitrates in our diet. I'm not real ecstatic about doing it rectally, but if anybody is using an oxygen concentrator for making ozone for injection, really, really bad news. And I know of problems to let you know. Uh, so that should not be done. So if you're listening to this going, well, hold on, I'm overwhelmed. You would need to get an, uh, a, <clears throat> you would need to get an ozone generator and they run 800 to two grand, somewhere in there. You're gonna need some tubing. Uh, you're going to need a little bag to fill up with the, the ozonated air, and you need a little tube that goes in your butt. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. Maybe the little stethoscope where you can put some some air in if you want, and a source of oxygen, which is either a welding tank with a medical regulator. You can buy those online from all three of those companies. Uh, you can also get those. Um, actually, that's probably the only place you can get those. Uh, or you can use a concentrator if you're just making the water, but not for the other ways. The other, yeah, the other thing you want is a flask to bubble water and make water. Uh, that's right. And usually, when you order the the concentrator, you get one of those uh, from the three companies. And what that is is uh, a glass uh, a glass stopper, and cold water works better. So what I ended up doing when I was really into drinking ozonated water, which I don't do a lot, and don't take your vitamins with it. Vitamin C cancels it out. I would actually get like a one gallon jug and I'd have a little little bubbler inside that. So I'd have a gallon of ozonated water in the fridge and I would just drink it whenever I wanted to. And you feel a rush when you do it. It, it actually works. This is one of those, I'm going to call it home remedies, but with some tech, but it's more than 100 years old now, at least 102 and probably more. Dave, let me share this with you. I went back to Africa just just a little over a year ago. Um, I had a patient, uh, an African man who came to me for prostate. I injected his prostate during the two weeks he was here with ozone. He did great. In our, in our discussions, his wife is a Polish nurse who was – now, European nurses are much different trained than our nurses. They are very active in what they do and have a lot of discretion. She had read a lot of my stuff on ozone. She had read a lot of other stuff on ozone, and she taught herself how to do ozone. And she was doing, now this is Guinea, a really poor country in Africa. And she was doing on really poor people just ear ozone and ozone water, and in certain cases, rectal ozone. And she was seeing some stunning results. I, I, that's why I had to go check this out. Ear ozone. And I had been doing ear ozone and I believed in it. But she taught me a really nice method of doing it that I, that I liked a lot. And it's on the ozonewithoutborders.ngo site. 
so people can get that, <clears throat> where you use a syringe <clears throat> and slowly, just slowly push the syringe gas into the ears. Without the needle, though, just the syringe. No itself. needle. Yeah, yeah. Just a stethoscope. Pretend this is a stethoscope. And it's hanging like this. <laughs> right. So as you it, when you push the syringe in slowly, it goes in slow enough into your ear that it reacts in your ear and nothing escapes. This was mind blowing to me. Oh, because it's going in really slowly. Interesting. It's, go, it's going in really slowly. And I've had my wife come up to me to sniff it. And the ozone is reacting in my ear, so I've got a whole syringe, 60 to 100 cc's of ozone, going into my ears over about maybe five, six minutes, and you can't smell anything coming out. So it's all being absorbed and reacting in my ear. It's Wow. It's turned out to be a fabulous treatment. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body. Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. What I've been doing is if I need to do ozone in my ears or the kids, if you have like a cough or a sore throat or anything coming on, we always do that. But I just put them in front of a door, I turn on a fan, and then we run uh, you know, a 16th of a liter per minute uh, through, the, through the ozone generator into their ears. But you definitely would smell it if you weren't blowing it out the door. So you're saying in even a very small amount. So these are things that you could do almost anywhere if you just have access to the ozone. And frankly, if you were, oh, I don't know, in an apartment building somewhere that was under a quarantine lockdown, if someone on a floor has an ozone machine, you could make an awful lot of ozone in little bags for everyone on your floor, uh, and it would be uh, it would be just fine. The doctor that the first doctor who contaminated himself with ozone felt like God spared his life because of the ozone, and although he was under orders not to do the DIV treatment on the Ebola patients. He had a machine and he spirited in ozone in bags and ozone water to the patients. And the mortality at the center dropped from 60% to 25%. This was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine and no one knew why. <laughs> it was a miracle. Uh, I, too often I've seen, I've seen that there's a mindset that happens in science and medicine and in a lot of human existence where that can't happen. Therefore it didn't, it, even though clearly it did, but you just, it, it, it's inconceivable. Uh, and so because it's inconceivable, you don't conceive of it and you just, you write it off and you, you push it under the rug. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy that you could share why that happened. And I'm, 
I'm definitely frustrated where we are now, where we're, we're chewing up our economy. Um, I went on you know, my last business trip and I said, well, I, I didn't know as much a few weeks ago as I do now. I'm less concerned now that I understand so much more about you know, what it's actually doing in the body. And all of those are hackable pathways. Like everything we know that it does, there's an obvious thing and, and only a few of them are drugs. Some of them aren't, most of them aren't. Ozone is a major thing I do. I took my whole suitcase, put it in a trash bag and I filled the trash bag with ozone gas. And you know what? Whatever was alive on there wasn't alive when I opened that thing up, uh, right? Including the contents of the bag. Uh, so you could actually sterilize everything. And in my, um, my house, I'm working on remodeling. Um, we're actually making a closet that is airtight and has a vent. So when I come back from a trip, airplanes are just nasty environments no matter what. Uh, I'm just going to put whatever I was wearing and whatever my luggage is in the, in the little room, flip on the nozone generator, yes. and just basically decontaminate. I'm not going to do that when I go out in my local community. It's actually good to have bacterial communities around there, but I don't want whatever the heck they do on airplanes. It also breaks down uh, uh, toxins. Things like pesticides and all that also get destroyed by ozone, not necessarily in the body, although it might. But externally, it breaks down any volatile chemical. Uh, so I, I feel like this should be a part of our life post-pandemic. And I'm one of the things I'm really hoping the pandemic does for us is that it forces ozone therapy into our consciousness as one of the things, oh, you might take some aspirin, you might do some ozone, uh, you know, you might get your temperature. Uh, it's just a normal thing. Now I'm going to ask you this question. You have decades more experience than I do. Uh, am I just too optimistic? I think ultimately it will happen. Okay. Ultimately. Where is it going, going to happen ha first? Is it going to happen in Europe? Is it going to happen in South America? Is it going to happen in Africa? Or is it going to happen in North America? Medical ozone will probably happen in Europe first. Okay. Germany, most likely? Italy, Spain. It's been in Germany, but it's sort of, it's funny, ozone got its start in Germany, but it's sort of pushed aside by mainstream. <clears throat> They're doing ozone actively now, studies for COVID in Italy and Spain and getting phenomenal results. What about China? I mean, China was the first that I saw to do vitamin C, which has a very good reason for being used. And you wouldn't obviously do it with ozone at the same time. But uh, do you think China is doing this? Have you heard anything about, about it in China I or have. Japan? Okay. As soon as COVID broke out in China, I contacted the Chinese embassy in Washington. I didn't waste any time. And I sent them the <clears throat> I sent them the information that uh, that I had on hand. I did not have my article published yet, but I had drafts of it and I sent it to them and they said they would pass it on to Beijing. Nothing happened. I do know of people in China. There is a lot of ozone in China and I do know people in China who are doing it and they've had good results, but not publishable results. So it is being done in China. Spain and Italy probably will be the first to get something published, but I really wanted to be the first to get it published here. I did so bad, but that's fine if they do it. Now, in terms of the population having it, I think you're going to see that here because here in, in the United States, we have a very repressed medical system and there's a strong alternative community and they are aware of this and they are getting ozone machines and they're doing the things that you suggested. And I understand that these companies are selling machines like hotcakes and <clears throat> people are benefiting thereby because they can protect themselves. So the population, the small but strong alternative population in this country, is protecting themselves with this while the mainstream is 
totally ignoring it. And you can't get this into the mainstream press. I'll tell you, Howard Robbins had somebody from the mainstream press very interested in <clears throat> publishing on Ozone, was going to do an article. He called up Howard the next day and says, I can't do the article. Howard says to him, because he's a friend, tell me the truth. Did they tell you to kill it? He said, yes. And I had, <clears throat> I had an experienced reporter, award-winning reporter for a major New York paper. She brought it to them with all kinds of good stuff in the midst of the pandemic, and they refused to run it. She was shocked. While people are dying. There's there's something just strange about that, but unfortunately, you really can't patent this kind of treatment, and locking it down is tough. And it's funny. I I read a a really interesting piece without getting too political. It was a piece about uh, guns. Now, I I grew up in uh, New Mexico. Uh, you know, my parents had a, a share in a gold mine. I would literally walk around when I was, you know, 12 years old with a rifle over my shoulder, like just to go hiking for a whole day. Cause that's what you did when you grew up in the middle of the desert and there's no one around. And so I, I don't have any issue with them, but there's a lot of gun violence in the U S and so people saying, Oh, we should do you know, ban them. We should not ban them. I'm not even going to get into that. But the article, I wish I could cite its, its author's name. He said, look, there's a half-life of guns. And this is why it doesn't matter if you ban them. Guns last for at least 100 years. <laughs> so you're going to have to <laughs> stop letting people buy them now. There are so many of them out there that they're just going to be there. And the reason I bring this up is that there's a half-life for ozone generators. And it's probably 40 years if they're a good one. In other words, if you have an ozone machine, you can use it many, many, many times. Uh, and it doesn't really matter. If, uh, you know, if it's popular, or if it's not popular, as long as it works and as long as you've got it and you have access to it. So I look at this and say, all right, all we need is a critical mass of people have these things. Right. And at that point, it doesn't really matter if some, you know, bureaucrat says you're no longer allowed to have a no zone machine because you already do. And because uh, as a virtue of that, you're able to take care of yourself in your immediate local community. Uh, so half life, not of ozone gas, but half life of ozone machines is really high. And that's why if you get one and you say, well, I get to have it for 20 years, the cost per year is less than, you know, one doctor visit per year. Uh, and it's, it's just, it, it's so important. I'm, I'm hoping that that's how ozone wins because every year a few more people get an ozone machine and a few more people know about it and they don't stop knowing about it and they don't stop having machines. So we will win over time. I was just hoping you were going to say it'll happen next year. <laughs> It, it could happen next year if we can get to the right people. And yes, I do know people and they've actually, I know someone who actually got my material into the hands of the staff of the vice president, wow. but we haven't, but we haven't heard anything back. Well, all right, let's, man, I, I, I find politics to be obnoxious, sort of like the smell of too much ozone and I, I, it doesn't matter which side I, I'm like, I, I don't like tribes. I, I stay away from them. Um, but, there was a recent statement about disinfectants, which, okay, we just talked about chlorine or HOCl is another like chlorine-like substance uh, or uh, hydrogen peroxide, which our immune cells do make. And then he said, what about bright sunlight? Now, for people who are listening, if you guys read, a lot of you guys have purchased Superhuman, my anti-aging book, uh, just came out a few months ago. I write about very specifically 
ozone therapy is an anti-aging treatment, and I write about UV blood irradiation with all the scientific references, with discussions about what it does to the lining of your arteries. Newsflash, the COVID virus is infecting the endothelial lining. And so, wait, UV blood irradiation, which, okay, if you just don't want to die of, of uh, cardiac or coronary disease, you might want to take care of your blood vessels. That's why it's in my anti-aging book. But I'm going to ask you about that because you know a lot about ultraviolet blood irradiation, which is the other side of what Trump said. He said, infectants and you know, bright light, what should we do? I was wondering when I heard that, did someone put something in his hands that talks about these? Because those, <clears throat> those are both alternative therapies, well studied by the test of time. And in this case, UV blood irradiation, I know because I had to write uh, all the, um, you know, I, I did all the research for my book. From 1920 to 1950, this was FDA approved. It was commonly used before antibiotics, and then it sort of fell out of favor, but it still is restorative. Can you talk about what it is, uh, how you would use it clinically, and whether you think it's relevant? No, I think I do, but I could be wrong. I would love to. Thank you. Um, Trump hit a grand slam, and the press vilified him for it. Oh, I, I was laughing. Yeah, and, that's, and, and, the, and the public are not aware because they're ignorant because of the controlled press that he did hit a grand slam. So I mentioned that in the Spanish influenza epidemic in 1918, British physician Oliver halved the death rate of viral pneumonia by, with intravenous hydrogen peroxide. That's a disinfectant. Ultraviolet's a disinfectant. In this country, predominantly in this country, there was the not hemo irradiator, ultraviolet blood irradiation. Lots and lots of articles were published on this from the late 30s through the 40s. And there was an article published. And by the way, I published an article on it. I published a review article called Ultraviolet Blood Irradiation Therapy, the Cure That time forgot. If you go online and type in ultraviolet blood irradiation therapy, Rowan, the cure that time forgot, it will take you to it. I summarized all of the American literature and the German literature at that time on it. I wrote this in the early 90s. <clears throat> the American literature included a case series on virus diseases, including polio, but also including viral pneumonia. 15 of 15 cases of viral pneumonia in the 1940s recovered with ultraviolet blood irradiation, 100%. So there's disinfectant number two, right? And then I go along with Ebola with disinfectant number three, ozone, and we got five out of five cases of Ebola fixed and, and probably and more followed. So what happened to ultraviolet? Ultraviolet was curing bacterial sepsis, all kinds of infectious diseases. The, the authors back at that time, Miley, um, I think Christensen is another one, they were so astounded by the effects of this that they went to pains to describe the recoveries of hopeless cases, including septic cerebellar infarcts and other things. And people walking out of the hospital when they should have been, they would be dead today 
with this. And they recovered. And a whole series of articles was published on this. And then it disappeared. And there's probably politics why it disappeared. And if you want to hear it, I can share with you what I know. Sure. I think listeners would love to know about this. Because what we're talking about here are well-proven, safe, broadly effective things that are pushed out for expensive things with lots of side effects. And I don't think it's in our best interest. I've personally had my blood irradiated uh, and uh, I developed superpowers, but that's a different story. All right. I want to see you fly. That's that why you're called bulletproof? <laughs> All right. In early 1950, this is what I'm told by the son of the inventor. Emmett Knott was the, was the inventor. His son was the manager of the company, and it was Emmett Knott Jr., I think, and he died a few years ago. But I talked to him. I met him. And he said that Morris, Fish, Morris Fishbein, who was head of the AMA. God, that, that guy ruined so many good things, okay? So he was the founder of the AMA, actually. He went to Knott and wanted a piece of the company. And Knott wouldn't give it to him. And there's reasons not to like Morris Fishbein. So he told the owner of the company, Knott Sr., I'm going to destroy you. And he did. They fabricated an article in 1952 that went against scores of other articles on ultraviolet, just one article. And between that and the fact that antibiotics were coming out at that time, pills that at that time were effective, the company's sales declined dramatically. And by the early 60s, it went out of business because of pills. Now, Knott's son still was alive. James Hutton, a naturopath in Arizona, had one few remaining Knott machines. And I went and visited him in Sedona one time. I got to see the machine. He had actually cured some cases of hepatitis C with it. And Knott's son People tried to get to Knott's son, and he just resisted and resisted. He said, if I'm going to do anything with this, I want it in hospitals. But because Hutton was using it, Hutton was able to get to him. They warmed up, and Hutton got the remaining machines that were closeted in a garage for years and years and years. And other people had already gone to the FDA and got documentation to the FDA that proved that this machine was in interstate commerce before 1975 when the FDA gained jurisdiction over devices. So this device is grandfathered. It's lawful, it's legal, and it can be used. The few that remain, and it's incredible. This machine is incredible. And it is the granddaddy of ultraviolet devices that are out there today. It's the, the gold standard. Now, there are other devices out there <clears throat> that may work better or worse. I'm not going to say, but my standard still is the not machine. And I like other machines. There's companies out there. I'm, I'm, we don't get, go there now. But this is ultraviolet blood irradiation therapy. They were curing staph 
disease staff like MRSA? Well, they didn't have MRSA back then, methicillin resistant, because at that moment they didn't have methicillin. But it's still staph, and they were curing it. And it's published. And they they were fixing asthma, <clears throat> they were fixing osteomyelitis, even botulism coma. There's an article about botulism coma that, that was published. It, so, <clears throat> what it's doing, apparently, is just fixing mitochondria uh, throughout the body. So oxygen gets places it wouldn't go before circulation improves. And I guess there's an alkaline shift from it as well. Um, and it, it, it's funny to me that you mention uh, Morris Fishbein because the founding of the AMA is is a really ridiculous, really ridiculous story. This guy went around and basically asked all of the medical innovators of the time, give me a piece of your company or I will destroy you. It's a straight up mafia thing. And so clearly ultraviolet blood irradiation was, it was taken out. The other guy who got taken out was a guy named Royal Rife and who is a father of uh, radionics, basically using EMF. A very gifted guy. In fact, some of Tesla's work might have been Rife's work, actually, <laughs> before Tesla had it. Uh, there's historical accuracy to that. And literally, the same smear tactics were used on Rife, and Rife was doing amazing work. I've I had a Rife machine years ago that could do things that you know act, were very noticeable, we'll put it that way. Uh, but most of Rife's equipment was smashed. His lab notes were burned. I mean, it was a full-on, like, I will destroy your company and your technology, uh, if you don't give me a piece of it. And there was others. There was a guy, Dinshaw, who had a light society treating people with light, plain visible light. He was he they, they burned his books. So if you think that uh, the people who tell you you have to have a permission slip to buy a chemical or buy a device are working in your best interests, the history of their organization, man, it's tied in with propaganda, post-World War II, and basically some evil shit. Uh, so this is why... Um, it's a fundamental human right to have control of your own biology. It's not about medical freedom and all that stuff. It's actually much deeper than that. It's 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 your biology, your body, your right. So it's uh, it's one of those things where no one should be able to tell you that you're not allowed to do whatever you want to yourself, even if it's stupid. It's not the police's job. It's not your doctor's job. And it's not the government's job. Uh, and it's not your mom's job unless you're under 18. Um in that case, it's your job to assess those things, choose your expert if you want to, and then do what you want to do. And so I, I'm, you know all these things. I think I'm just sharing that with the audience because um, that's one of the reasons biohacking is important. If you know a little bit about how stuff works, you can say, hey, I'm going to choose this route with this practitioner. But why do you need permission to do that? You don't. It, it's your fundamental right. Um, do you think we're heading in a good direction from that? Are people just going to wake up and say, oh, you know, I do have a right to this, or I'm just going to try these things because they're cheaper or they're more effective. Or do you think that we're all getting more brainwashed? You, you have a much better history of watching the changes than I do. So I, I really want your truthful assessment there. There's a war uh, right now, and it's now it's turning into a hot war. Uh, I got a law passed in Alaska. I was the first in North America to get a law passed protecting unconventional medicine. And it has spread to several other states. Fortunately, California is one of them. And our board is respecting the law. Um, but we have draconian interests, pharma, which, in my opinion, owns the country. And I believe the same people that own pharma own the press. 
And there is a war right now because pharma is failing. Their antibiotics are failing. The war on infectious diseases is failing. I, I often, when I give talks, and this is for your viewers, I will hold up this $100 Federal Reserve note, and I offer it to the first person who can name me a synthetic petrochemical pharmaceutical that cures a disease. Not leave out antibiotics, just leave out antibiotics. Name me some other synthetic single drug that cures a disease. No one's been able to claim this. Pharma medicine has failed, and the only way that it can stay in power is through forced control, government-granted monopoly, which is essentially what's going on. Many people are waking up, and I think COVID is helping them to wake up because they're seeing that what's going to come down on them is a forced vaccine. And the literature on coronavirus already says from 2015, when they made an identical virus in Wuhan, they made an identical virus, not this virus, but essentially identical. That article said that vaccine therapy didn't work on the animals nor did monoclonal antibodies work. So who knows what's going to happen here with viruses? Bill Gates is trying to keep us all in our house until a virus comes out, and then we get lined up and injected with something that could derange the immune system. So I think when this actually comes down, you will see something turn hot, where people are going to refuse this, and then it will remain to be seen what the government and Gates and other people will do to further restrict us if we don't receive this vaccine, which, according to Gates, he wants to put chips in it as well. What if it actually worked? That remains to be seen. That's going to take a long time to find out. Oh, it, it is. And so I, I, I'm one of those weird moderates where uh, I've had very negative reactions to vaccines uh, where I couldn't move my arm for a few, actually for almost a month after I got one uh, in my 20s. Uh, and that was not positive. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, if, if I could get certain, uh, certain types of vaccines that may not even exist yet, that would do very specific things to my immune system. My immune system is a disobedient little bitch, <sighs> right? And if I could do some things, I would be very happy to, you know, turn off this excessive, uh, ability to respond to these things and all that. Like I want control of my immune system and I have no issues with using a properly tested, properly created, probably customized, uh, vaccine to modulate my my immune response. Um, so I, I would say, sure, you show me the evidence that it works, uh, test it properly. I just know that it takes a long time to do that. Uh, so I, even, I you know. E even childhood vaccines have not been tested properly. You know that. The controls are poor. This will take a long time. But you said, let's say that it works. Dave, there's no vaccine that's absolutely safe. and there And every vaccine will have a potential for deranging someone's immune system. So do I want to be that Russian roulette player when I have a therapy, ozone, that will give me wild immunity? Do you understand what I mean by wild immunity? Oh, yeah. You, you can actually make your immune system work to fight off just about anything that's out there. Building superhumans, being being highly resilient. I'm just I'm saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Even uh, Dietrich Klinghardt was talking recently. He's like, maybe they'll make safe vaccines one day. 
And if, if for anyone out there is, you know, if you're an anti-vaxxer or you're anti-pharma, look, some drugs are useful. They, they yes. actually are. Drugs, yes. pharma is not bad, right? And I'm going to, I know I'll piss off both sides. Like some vaccines probably are useful today. I can tell you the tetanus vaccine I got was pretty good because I actually had real tetanus with lockjaw going to the hospital. You know, you die in 12 hours if you don't have it. It would have been nice if I'd had the tetanus vaccine, but I'd ran out. But I didn't want all the other crap they put in there either. So it's like it's it's a nuanced situation with vaccines and, and you can't throw them all out. You can't say that they're all harmless and good either because that would be stupid in either direction. And the same thing goes with drugs. So you have to pay attention. Liquids are not good or bad. It depends what the liquids are and what you're doing with them. And injections are not all good or bad. And and so it, like that's why we have experts. That's why we have doctors. That's why we have guys like Dr. Rowan. Uh, so if if anything I just said pissed you off in either way, you need to go like do some deep breathing exercises and find a therapist because this is not an emotional decision. It is simply, do I have the right tool for the job in the situation at hand? And I'll tell you right now, the most broad spectrum tool there is in my mind is ozone. <laughs> but I wouldn't throw out anything else that I might possibly get benefit from at some point. Uh, I know I'm, I feel like I'm lecturing to someone who knows a lot more than I do, but uh, this is more for people listening. What do you no, think about that perspective? Your, your wisdom is spot on. It's absolutely spot on. I do use some drugs, not a lot, but I choose, I choose wisely. And vaccines, if, and I'm in agreement with you, I want a safe vaccine. And right now I'm not convinced that the childhood vaccines are safe. There's aluminum in them. Do you want injected aluminum? You know, I, I've seen all the studies on aluminum. I have big concerns about aluminum. I, I also wonder, you know, what would what would happen if you got rid of all the aluminum, all the other crap? They would cost a lot more. Uh, and if you did that, and if you did genetic testing ahead of time to see who's likely to have more TH1 or yes. TH2 immunity, you know, there's probably some good arguments for doing those even. But the fact we haven't done all that work is is a big problem. So that I, I don't want to go you know, too into vaccines because people are so tribalized and politicized about it. And it's, it is simply ignorant to say vaccines are all bad or vaccines are all good. It is accurate to say people will misuse any type of technology, at least some people will, uh, to give themselves money or advantage and that medical technologies have been misused that way. Dave, I am not anti-vax and I've said that repeatedly on my Facebook page. I, I am anti-forced vaccination. <laughs> yeah. That, isn't that isn't there a Nuremberg thing about forced medical? Yeah, it's kind of a war crime uh, to do that. So anyone who is for forced vaccination is for war crimes. So I'll be pretty clear on that one. I think you and I are in alignment on that. Yeah. Um, what did I not ask you about this? You have such a wealth of knowledge and experience in treating things that are supposed to be untreatable using technologies uh, that are apparently endorsed by well, the president. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as far as ozone goes, it's not just for infection. I use it in joints for like degenerative joint disease. And my results with knees are well over 80%. We've lost very few knees to the surgeon. You know, my very first introduction to uh, ozone therapy was way back when I ran that anti-aging group in Palo Alto. And we had this probably about a 400 pound obese woman uh, come into one of our meetings. And she was on a, a a walker, like she she couldn't walk without a brace on both arms or both uh, both arms because both of her knees were shot. And she had gone and wouldn't surprise me if she actually saw you. Um, were you up in Santa Rosa at the time? Yeah, it was you that she saw. Uh, so 
she came in and she showed us her x-rays of her knees. And then she had several treatments with you and came back six or eight weeks later and showed her x-rays. Number one, she was walking without her walker. Number two, you could see in the x-rays that there was cartilage hadn't been there. And I was just like, this woman, I've had three knee surgeries, right? So I, I know a thing or two about cartilage and pain and knees and all that. And I was just like, this is a miracle, like with a capital M. Uh, so I that was what sparked my interest in ozone all those years ago. This had to be 20 years ago. So thank you, A, for, for healing her. But you're the guy who made me know about this, which is why I met Dr. Gallagher, who's probably a name you know. He's the guy who taught me ozone, the, yes. the dentist. So. And uh, you can see videos of literal miracles on my YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel, Robert Rowan, MD, all one word. Go to that channel. I have about 500 patients up there, 400 patients, and you'll see things you couldn't believe. You'd have to, you have to see it to believe it. All right. Uh, so that was one thing we didn't get into, but prolozone and the ozone therapy uh, for joints is a big thing because it's anti anti-inflammatory. Uh, and I've also had that done. So um, you're uh, uh, you're a, a wealth of knowledge, and I think a lot of people don't recognize how impactful what you did in 1990. Um, you're a graduate from high school, by the way. Uh, and in Alaska, uh, you, uh, the first state in the union in order to, to get a protection for people who wanted to practice medicine, you know, the way that they saw worked versus the way that they were being forced to by a trade union. So, uh, congratulations and thanks for doing that. Cause you really uh, sparked off a movement there that now has spread to a lot of states where doctors have the ability to actually treat patients the way they want. And every doctor I've ever met wants to do that. All of them chafe under a regime that forces them to not do what they think is medically necessary. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. It's a human right. I saw it then. It's just a basic human right. My ability to treat you for what you need is a human right for you. Dr. Rowan, thank you for your uh, three decades, three and a half decades of work using these, un, or I'll say little known, but well-researched and well-studied uh, methodologies. And thanks for standing up and saying, hey, this can help us right now. Full alignment with you and uh, your work has had a big impact on me. So thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me back again. Of course. Now, your website, for people who, who want to get this, A, the full transcript and everything we talked about, all the links will be on daveasprey.com, but you can go directly to drrowan, drsu.com. So that's drrowan, drsu.com, and that's S-U, not S-U-E. And that'll get you most of the stuff. And the other one was ozonewithoutborders.ngo, which has your video. Which, that has the video of how to do home ozone, and my YouTube channel, if you're not a believer in ozone, if you just can't believe it, go to the YouTube channel and you'll, you'll see things that are hard to believe. It, it is real. And I, I get pitched all sorts of weird stuff that doesn't work, you know, holographic whatevers. And, and I, I reject the vast majority of things I see. Ozone therapy has stood the test of time in my life. And for the last hundred years, it's the real deal. Thanks again. And if you guys like the show, I would appreciate it. You should save this episode. I really hope it stays online and it probably will because this is a really big show. Um, but you know, some of my other friends have not been so lucky. Um, and you probably know what I'm talking about shows I've been on out of London um, that have uh, have really been targeted after they, they had some very controversial people on. Um, it is our right as uh, human beings to talk about stuff. And when large companies decide that they can selectively prevent us from talking about things that they don't like, 
uh, were in a bad situation. Uh, so one of the things you can do for that is uh, also think about what search engine you use. Uh, I have started using a search engine that now allows me to actually get the results I'm looking for. Because starting about six months ago, when I would use the normal search engine that we've all used uh, since they took over the world, uh, I stopped seeing results for all the stuff that I, I looked for, peptides, ozone therapy, all the things for anti-aging were disappeared. And all I could see was you know Medline and Mayo Clinic. I didn't even get PubMed results anymore. So now I use DuckDuckGo. And funny enough, they will show you everything I see and vice versa because they actually rank the pages instead of trying to figure out how they can manipulate what you think. So DuckDuckGo is my new search engine. Uh, and I'm not saying any of the other search engines are good or bad. All I'm saying is test your results. And if you get what you're looking for on that one, which is what I do, that's when I tested, that's what I'm using simply because it works better. So shift your brain to what works best to give you what you want. And that works for your medicine. It works for your oxidative therapies. It works for your social environment, it works for everything you do. And it even works for the podcast you listen to. So thank you for listening to this one. And if you like it, leave a review. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.